you've been seriously thinking about automating your warehouse. You've read the brochures, seen the videos, and you're almost ready to talk to a solutions expert. But you want to know more before you jump in. Today, we're doing a cost-benefit analysis of automation to help you prepare for that first big meetup with an expert. In this two-part series, we'll discuss why customers, just like you, decided to automate in the first place, the costs you need to consider, and of course, all the benefits you can expect. Hello and welcome to Geek Speak, the logistics automation podcast. I'm Sarah Gomez, host of the podcast and social media manager here at Geek Plus. As always, we're lucky to have our resident expert in the studio with us, Andrew Matsui, head of key accounts for Geek Plus Global. Hi, Sarah. It's nice to be here. And today, live from the UK, we have Simon Houghton, head of sales and marketing for Geek Plus UK and Ireland. Hi, Sarah. Glad to be back. And for the first time, we have Jonathan Cortellacci, Head of Innovations at Geek Plus America. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Really nice to have you all. So let's just jump right in and start at the beginning. It's the first meeting with a potential client. Before you start talking costs, what are the first questions you ask the client to get a better understanding of their project? How do you get a better idea of the project's scope? Basically, we start by asking the customer where we, uh, what, what they're buying this for, what they want to do. Do they want to, uh, do they want to automate because of an, uh, a forecast towards a very uh, high, significant amount of uh, throughput increasing in the future, or do they do they want to automate because they want to reduce uh, reduce the cost of operation? Or do they want to uh, automate because they 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 have this very um, they have they have this lack of operators and um, work workforce in 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 their uh, warehouse, or do they want to automate just because for the sake of automation? Uh, this happens as well because uh, basically automation is uh, when when people look at automation, they all also kind of tend to look at it from like a very economic perspective. How is this going to help the business, et cetera? And that's a very important me- uh, aspect. But um, an- another part of that would be to standardize the process, to make it more sustainable. And this aspect um, is devoid of economic purposes. So again, there's a lot of motivations towards automation. And we just begin by... Uh, first communicating with the customer and understanding where they're coming from uh, for this project. After that, uh, uh, we will uh, we will do some calculations towards our solution, design it, and give the customer some uh, rough high-level metrics towards what can be what will be the changes. Uh, it might be towards the uh, the the labor headcount or the process uh, simplification of the process or it might be an elevation of the ergonomics or the health and safety aspect, or it could be any anything, but we would give a certain metric to the customer so that they can uh, make a comparison on their end. I, well, I think uh, just repeat, obviously what Andrew said, I think what, what we what we look at generally is is the pain points from the customer and you know where, where, where are they feeling the pain? Sometimes it's labor, sometimes it's efficiencies, sometimes it's it's health and safety, security, of goods uh, and automation can potentially fill those gaps. So, uh, as as we say, cost cost analysis is obviously extremely key 
um, for businesses and, and businesses are looking to save costs. But as I say certainly those those initial con contact we have is, is more about looking at the pain points and looking at automation from there. Now, the benefit generally over a manual operation is that there will be significant cost savings potentially if, if an automation system is put in, but sometimes it's not the, the only consideration. So Jonathan, when you walk in to speak with a potential client who's looking to automate, what are the questions you ask them and what is the potential client asking you? Yeah, I think um, around the questions that we ask are more uh, helping guide the customer to achieve what, what they've come to us to address. Uh, so typically what we see is uh, helping address customers' constraints with uh, throughput capacity or storage capacity um, and also their general need to uh, maybe reduce labor costs. Um, so I think that's typically where we start. Um, and then we look at different robotic solutions uh, to help the customers address those those different constraints or pain points they're trying to address. I think it was covered well by um, Andrew and Simon. It might be country specific, but it, we, we normally in our questionnaire are asking for sort of number of operators picking and putting away level. So we do we do perform a do provide a basic ROI to the, the customer, especially at the presentation stage. Um, and then normally on the back of that, depending on the level of the customer's detail they want to go into, but they start asking us for things like uh, robot consumptions, you know, um, of the chargers and this type of thing. And then they're contrasting that with their perhaps their day-to-day -day operation, um, you know, with, with lighting all of the area, heating potentially the area, you know, whereas that's reduced down later on. So... Some of our customers, especially some of the bigger ones, go into a lot more detailed analysis themselves. Uh, we, we're normally just providing that top-level ROI, which is typically calculated around uh, the operator reduction needed by going from a manual operation to, to, to automation. So uh, that's typically what we do. Um, and then our target as a business um, is around one to three year payback, typically, uh, certainly for the UK, this is what we're looking at. Um, salary levels are high in the UK and increasing all the time, cost of living's going up. So everyone's, we've got a lot of strikes in the UK at the moment, protests, you know, people, their inflation cost, inflation price cost of living is going up. So of course people want more salaries to be able to pay for goods. Uh, and of course, that's that's um, filtering down to you know warehouse operators. The warehouse operators are already thin on the ground of people wanting to do the work, and then those who are doing the work are saying, "Hang on a minute, you know this guy's this warehouse is paying me sixteen pounds an hour. I'm only on twelve, and then gradually the cost of operators is going up. So for us, that is a very big calculation right from the start to to show a, a positive ROI. That's the headline, I guess, figure, but there's a lot more to it from that, which typically the customer will get involved with later on. Um, and in the US is, as well, around the payback periods, typically what I think the targets are here as well. Um, additionally, uh, kind of the same with some of the larger companies, especially will have uh, not just payback period goals, but things like internal rates of return, modified internal rates of return, um, to where they apply their time value of money. Uh, <clears throat> but I think um, 
also uh, to address the point of what we calculate and what we don't calculate, uh, kind of echo both of what Andrew and, and Simon said, where I think some customers are a little bit more forthcoming with what, uh, what data they'd like to provide um, as far as meeting their business case needs. Uh, and some customers are a little bit more forthcoming and we can be more involved in, in helping them achieve and meet their uh, ROI specifications. I think Andrew made a good point at the start that it, it's, you have those initial conversations, you walk around the customer site, you, you go from, from inbound through to outbound to the storage area and you're looking for those, you're, you're look, we, we, we as sales managers, consultants, whatever you want to call us, um, are looking for the, those pain. Be the customer, they tell you, actually I've had a lot of theft of goods, I want an automation system to create the goods which are more secure. Uh, I've had health and safety issues. I've had crashes with forklifts and, and people because they're sharing the same aisles. So normally those pain points start to shape automation in general. And, and you know, the solution could be very similar. Um, but then the benefits or the way the customer sells that internally to his board and, and decision makers uh, will vary. Um, but Certainly, payback period is is always a always a headline one to start with, uh, and it's typically where where they'll get the biggest biggest cost savings from the start. So, uh, certainly a good starting point. Um, uh, I think um, theft theft is actually a big point in the warehouse operations, um, especially if you have these luxury brands or uh, trending things on the internet, right? And they're all, all just like there on the racks. Uh, theft happens a lot in the warehouse. And to prevent this, uh, warehouse operation would normally set up hundreds and hundreds of cameras in, in the warehouse to watch and monitor and record and maintain uh, the security of their of the inventory. And uh, they do this often because, you know, there's a couple of models where, uh, if especially through from 3PL, they, they either buy the inventory from the customer or they they actually have to uh, they have to uh, pay a penalty for any uh, damaged goods or whatever. And so you know, for three PLs, theft is a very big item. It's a very very big topic. Uh, with automation, however, what happens is that we only have these where uh, working stations where basically the people uh, you know um, interact with the inventory. So it's actually it becomes very easy to monitor and maintain the security of the inventory. Uh, just you know, just focusing a camera, two or three cameras in one working station, just uh, just monitoring what he does with the inventory. That's all that you need to do. You don't need to now. Now you don't need to monitor the whole inventory, uh, the whole warehouse. So it, it significantly elevates the um, the the quality of management as well as the process, ease of process. I think. Um, that just comes down to kind of um, reducing the overall management cost as well. That's another important aspect that the customers will have to, this part, uh, more or less the customer will have to do uh, by themselves, right? We don't actually have any visibility towards this, these quant, uh, metrics uh, from the Geek Plus side. But uh, it will be some one other thing that will be uh, very important. Uh, important um, contributor to the ROI of a solution. Just to bring the topic full circle, um, because I, I think they were touched on quite a bit, but our, our conversations with customers um, can be quite different, as were mentioned by 
uh, both Simon and Andrew, depending on whether or not the site is a greenfield or a brownfield. So whether or not it's a, a brand new site with a blank canvas of sorts or um, whether or not we're having to fit into a building that already has existing solutions or even, as Simon mentioned, um, pop up temporary facilities that might might uh, be stood up during peak um, and also towards trends and, and micro fulfillment as well. So I think these conversations around uh, solutions and, and scoping can be quite different <clears throat> based on the different scenarios. I agree. Green or brown, I think definitely adds to the um, uh, the dimensions that we need to think about. But uh, the interesting thing is that usually customers are, uh, you know, even if it's a greenfield operation, um, a project, um, usually customers are actually just moving from one place to another, a new place. So actually they do have something to compare against. So uh, there, so here we have like the standard things I think that we need to check. And then based on, you know, is it a green, is it a brown, uh, is what is your exact pain point? Then it kind of branches out to the different different possibilities of, of, of what we need to consider. Like for instance, it might be more about the future or expansion or new business uh, for Greenfield, right? More than Brownfields, I think. Even though they're moving from one warehouse to another, they might be looking forward into the future. Uh, uh, if it was a 3PL, into adding more customers into their warehouse, uh, increasing their order intake, or just to you know, just just to move the whole thing to a closer location to uh, front to the city front. So as we continue to talk about costs, Simon, could you tell us are there any hidden costs a client needs to look out for when planning to automate? And now, generally, we think the um, there's clear benefits from putting automation in over manual, which we've talked about, and headcount savings and efficiencies and security and so on. But uh, one thing I think uh, earlier on, what would we encourage a lot of our customers to do um, here in the UK is, um, you know, certainly look at the floor, um, the surface, um, you know, to make sure that um, survey. Uh, Uh, is done now surveys don't it sounds quite difficult to, to run a floor a floor survey and um they would normally do like a cross hatch effect so they'd you can they can do a survey in an exhibition um so they would pull up like a laser um i don't know what you'd call it like three lines across and three three lines horizontally three lines vertically and that potentially will give a very good idea of the floor levelness and flatness. So that's that's one thing that depends on the robotic system or any automation system that the floor has to be looked at. Um, and so the, these sort of things should be looked at quite early on because the, there is potentially minor repairs or major repairs needed for that floor ready for automation. So that's that's quite key. Um, other costs more again specifically talking for amr um prior to robots arriving it's fairly simple it's typically um uh, electrical cabling data and power drops running to the the workstations or the uh or the charging stations things like that so relatively simple that's just uh the the customer using their own electrician um to, to do that so that's fairly fairly easy fairly low cost 
And the final, I suppose, hidden cost, which sometimes uh, some businesses don't consider is um, not so much cost, but it's more getting their own IT team on board. Um, and sometimes the bigger companies uh, t- talking about IT for integration. So for the WMS interface with the or, um, robotic interface, the robotic control system software, um, that's a process of work. So personally, I would always say involve that team as soon as possible, even at the concepting stage, because a lot of the time, uh, if they're informed late, uh, a lot of the IT guys, you know, some, sometimes it's a bit like taking your car in for service and they're saying, you know, oh, it's going to cost you. It's going to be at least three weeks of work. And they tend to overestimate to cover their backs. So the more they're informed earlier on, um, I think um, that generally, uh, one, makes them part of the process because certainly AMR system is very software driven anyway, so they should be involved. But certainly something to bear in mind um, are those early stages when they're looking at costs and cost benefits and analysis of the whole solution. Um, internal costs or internal time has to be factored in as well from their own IT team or external IT team in some cases. Thanks, Simon. I think this is a natural stopping point for today. In two weeks, we'll be back with the second half of this conversation, where we'll discuss all the direct and indirect benefits of automation, so you don't want to miss it. Thanks so much for being here with us today, gentlemen. When we return for our next episode, we'll spend it answering an automation question from our audience, and that question could come from you. If you have any questions for us about automation, our robots, or the logistics industry, please send them in. We're on LinkedIn as Geek Plus. That's a plus sign. Or you can send your questions to team at geekplus.com. That's team at geekplus, spelled out, dot com. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>